sooner you embrace the disruption, the better is your chance of survival. Culture is a big driver of a business strategy. It's not just about me as an individual, it's about us as a society. That the risk of not doing something is actually greater than staying where you are. You've got to understand the importance of making money work for you. Don't work for money. Thank you, Professor, for joining us today at the LSB Bronco podcast. Uh, I appreciate you being here. So let's start off with you telling us a little bit about your background, your interest, and just about yourself. Well, thanks for inviting me uh, to this podcast, Alon. I really appreciate the effort, uh, the the opportunity to speak with you a little bit about communications today. About myself, I, uh, <clears throat> gosh, I started years, many, many years ago uh, in Silicon Valley. I worked for a number of uh major corporations in Silicon Valley back in the heydays when, you know, the internet was really exploding and blowing up and people were working, working many, many hours trying to put out the next and greatest product. And uh, I remember those days so well of working many, many hours. Um, The last place I worked in Silicon Valley was at Cisco Systems. And it was, I had been there probably about 10 years and I was really starting to feel like I wanted to do something else. I mean, after a while, when you walk, when you work in some of these companies for for many many years, you start to get burnt out. And so I decided I wanted to do something else. So I thought I was going to take like a six month sabbatical and just uh, and just uh, chill out. But I ended up working for a nonprofit for those six months, and and the experience at that nonprofit really really kind of put me on a different track, changed changed my perspective of things and. And found out that making money for all these major corporations wasn't the most important thing in the world. You know, I really felt um, bringing my business experience to the nonprofit world. I felt I felt there was some value there. I felt I was really providing value. You know, and so I said, "Hey, this is something I want to I want to try and pursue." And so I, I um, you know, I've been in the nonprofit space for the last 15 years or so. I've worked at a number of nonprofits in the Bay Area, mainly around. Um, you know, professional development, diversity issues, uh, youth development, those kinds of things. Um, and I've, I've enjoyed it. I spent a, spent a couple of years working um, with, in sports management, working for the 49ers as a director of their foundations. And I was responsible for creating their branding and their communication strategies around the foundation. And, uh, and uh, you know, so it was, it, was, it was great working for the nonprofits. In the last I'd say f- seven years. I've uh, transitioned into into the into the classroom, and um, I never thought I would be, you know, in the classroom. But I started teaching over at UC Berkeley. I was teaching in their in their business school um, as an adjunct professor, uh, teaching uh, marketing and branding and communications, and uh, and fell in love with it. I fell in love with it. I thought, gosh, this is something that I wish I would have been doing for the last fifteen years, and. Uh, because I was relaying a lot of my personal experiences back, you know, and I felt I was providing a lot of input to students that were just wanted this information. And so, uh, so I've spent a few years at UC Berkeley uh, as a, as a teacher there. I spent a, a couple of years at, uh, at, at working as an online instructor for Northeastern university in their um, school of public service, p- professional services. And then most recently, I have uh, relocated here um, to, univer- to Santa Clara University. This is my uh, second semester here at Santa Clara. I started in the summer just or in the spring just teaching one class. And so this is my first uh, full year here at, at Santa Clara. 
and I teach uh, Business Communications 179, just about communications, telling people and informing people about the importance of communications and how communications is, is kind of the foundation of everything we do. So, um, so that's kind of my background. That's why I'm here. Um, I'm loving it so far. And uh, I'm looking forward to for, for many, many years with Santa Clara. Wow, you've lived a you've lived a whole life. <laughs> well, <laughs> that you've accomplished. Uh, I've, got, I've got more to do. I've got more to do. Yeah, always, always, <laughs> and it's just great to hear. Um, and I mean, now that you're a professor in the classroom, I, I mean, I have a class with you, and, and that's how we met. And and that's why we're here today. You know, to talk about the importance of communication and, and how that can benefit. Uh, how people can benefit from learning more about the importance of that and how we can become better communicators. So going off of that, you know, what is business communication? It's obviously different from like, from the academic setting. So, you know, what is it and why should we care? Well, you should care on a number of different reasons, but let me back up and tell you basically, you know, what is business communications? And as I mentioned in, in the course, you know, we as students, we as academics, we have prepared all our life to to speak in academic terms and in an academic vocabulary. Um, we 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 write and we express to to impress people, right? You know, we we look at um, you know looking at uh, conversations through the through, through the lens of you know what is the what's the introduction, what's the abstract, what's what's the content, what's what are all the research and the facts and what are the conclusions? And so we have all of uh, the knowledge when we speak in terms of academic writing. Business writing is a little different. You have to communicate differently when you work in the business world. You still have to communicate and get your point across, but you have to be more succinct. You have to be uh, more precise. You've got to create a sense of this is what's happened, this is why it's important, and this is what I want you to do next. <clears throat> and so business writing isn't about impressing people to get a better grade. It's really about trying to express an idea, express a solution, express a problem in the business world. And so you have to really kind of practice and get yourself in that mindset that you've got to now communicate in a different way. Now, having said that, there are still some basic foundations in communication because at the end of the day, communications is one person relating to another person. And so you still have to take into consideration, you know, is there a common interest between two parties? Now, you know, in, in the academic world, the, the common interest may be, you know, um, talking about a particular subject between the professor and the student. In the business world, it could be talking about a solution or a product or a service between you and your supervisor or you and your peers. And so this, the, there still is a common subject. But at the end of the day, it's one person talking to another person. The only difference is in the communication in the business world, it must be a little bit more precise, more succinct, more to the point with some sort of objective at the end. And, and that's, that's basically the, the, the premise of Business 179 is to teach students that once you leave the academic world, businesses are going to expect you to communicate differently. They're going to expect you 
to, uh, to relate differently in the business world. And, and this class is really about making sure students are prepared to, to take that next step. And, and talking about, you know, the importance of communication and how you how, you know, each one of us communicates with the customer, with our managers, with our colleagues, with our peers. You know, the world is changing right now. Right. With all the covid, you know, new protocols, offices are closed. In-person meetings are not as normal as they used to be. And, you know, we kind of like, I feel like we trained ourselves, you know, throughout our lives to communicate in person because of that human connection. Mm -hmm. And we were used to, we were used to, you know, attending meetings and being face to face with people. And, you know, then a huge shockwave just came and, and that no longer was allowed. And now Zoom is the biggest thing. Slack has gotten even bigger. You know, we communicate through Microsoft Teams and, you know, all this technology is being used more and more. So how do you see, you know, technology shaping the way that we communicate with each other? You know, in, in meetings, we spoke for a long time before the meeting and we wasted time. <laughs> so like, you know, what is, what is it going to look like moving forward with all this technology? Well, you're absolutely right. I mean, just in the last year or so, when we're in, in this pandemic, we have seen communications change. It, it absolutely has affected, you know, the way the way businesses communicate and the way people communicate. I mean, I spend, uh, you know, days talking to my, to my siblings and to my family on zoom, which is something that I never thought, <laughs> thought I would do, but, you know, I think technology is always going to be a part of the equation. You know, as long as we've had technology, you know, it's always been a part of the communication equa- equation, but at the end of the day, fundamentally, it still is about, communication. It still is about one person talking to another person. All of the technology stuff that surrounds it is going to be there. Um, And no doubt it makes communication a little bit more difficult, you know, because we are not in the same room. We're not relating, you know, person to person. We're not actually physically feeling the presence of another person. And then you add on, you know, all of these other applications like Zoom and Slack and these other things. And even walking around town with our masks on, you know, we're, we're hiding a part of our identity and the way we communicate. We communicate through our body language, through our facial expressions. And so all of that now is being really tested. It's being tested. And so um, to answer your question, I, I think it's something that we are going to have to get through, you know, because technology will always going to, or we're always trying to find better ways and quicker ways to, to use technology to communicate. You know, the medium that we communicate, that's just the medium. It's not the communication. And so right now I'm looking at you in a zoom call. I see your face. I see your facial expressions. I hear your voice. And in a way we are still relating. You know, we're still relating. We're talking about a common subject. And so I think that'll never go away. You know, I don't think machines or communications or robots or, or robotics or any that will, will eliminate that basic face-to-face in-person communication. I think that will always be important. Always. Yeah, exactly. We need to yeah. adapt to, you know, the new norm and, and the new right. of communication. And, you know, I, I think soon enough we'll learn to you know, communicate in a more efficient manner than we used to. Right. And right. In many ways we're seeing that. And I think all it takes is, you know, embracing these new ways of communication and, you know, these new styles. 
Yeah, I would agree. I would agree. I just think I think accepting what what's what's here, accepting the technology, using it to the best of your ability to make it more efficient for you, but using the technology. I mean, it's t- technology is just a tool to help you communicate better. So use the tool the best way you can to help you communicate in a more efficient way. <clears throat> and one of the most efficient ways to communicate and you know, to relate to people is through storytelling. You know, we, we talked about that in, in Business 179. So, you know, what is storytelling for everyone listening? And how do we become better storytellers? Storytelling is just one of those, one of the most powerful skills you can have. And if you can tell a good story, you can lead anyone. To, you can, anyone will follow you because you've laid a good story out. Again, a good story captures everything you want in a situation, particularly if it if it encapsulate if it's encapsulated by emotion. By telling a an effective story, you actually start to trigger something in a person's brain. And I might have mentioned this in the class that everyone there we have these mirror neurons, and they're part of the ninety billion neurons that make up who we make make up humans as they are, but there's certain neurons in our brains and they're, they're actually called the mirror neurons. And what that basically means is that <clears throat> if you tell a compelling story, the person that's listening to you, it triggers those mirror neurons and they can actually put themselves in the story. And think about how powerful a tool that can be when you are trying to persuade someone to a particular your particular side by telling a story in which the person can actually put themselves in the story if you think about as a student who is uh, in interviewing for a job you know and and one of the first questions most students get is well you know Alan, tell me about yourself if you have a very compelling story to start off an interview and, and it talks about where you were, where you are today, and where you want to go. <clears throat> if you link those three things together in a 60 to 90 second compelling story, you have really pretty much set the stage for the rest of the interview. Because now the interviewer, whether he likes it or not, sometimes can actually put himself into the story. Maybe he was in your situation. Maybe he was exactly like you. So now you've actually grabbed that person and and taken him into your story. And you wrap that with emotion and you've you've pretty much got a compelling case for for why why the interviewer wants to hire you. Again, a good story is just like putting together a movie. You know, know, I'm I'm sorry for interrupting, but I love this idea of like this how you compare the storytelling to that question, because I think that can bring a lot of value to the audience. The question for, you know, tell me about yourself. And yeah. so I want to latch onto that a little more. Okay, sure. Um, and, and I think that's one of the toughest questions that a student can it be is. asked in an it interview. Is. And many people don't know how to answer it because they don't know what to include in that question. Like, how do I answer it? Do I answer with only my academic performance with only, you know, the achievements that I've, you know, at school, do I answer about, you know, where I'm from, like my family? And it's very hard to compile that 60 to 90 second personal elevator page. So what should a student include in that? 
That's exactly true. I mean, here you've got a situation where someone asks you that story and you're thinking, wow, uh, do I tell my life story? <laughs> you know, no, you don't. But here is where you have to prepare yourself going into situations like that, because undoubtedly you're going to be asked that question one way or another. Tell me about yourself. And so you have to think about it and kind of prepare before you go into any particular situation, particularly in an interview, to come up with a story about yourself. And generally the stories in which there is some sort of, uh, of an emotional impact are the ones that make the most sense. And so when I say a, have an emotional impact, it could be something as simple as, you know, um, when I was a child, I always thought about this or I always was interested in this particular subject. And I always fantasized about that. So now you're putting yourself into the story. You're telling a personal story about yourself. And now because of this, I decided to study this in school. That's where I'm at today. I'm at Santa Clara University and I'm studying this particular subject because this has always been an interest to me. And now where you want to go, the next part of the story is like where you want to go and say, I eventually see myself doing this or, or serving this particular industry or providing this particular service because this has been my passion for as long as I can remember. So if you kind of think of those three buckets and kind of fill in the connecting thoughts of where you were, why are you here with me in, in this interview today? Why am I here? And then where do I want to go? What is the next thing for me? And if you can put that together in a compelling, concise story, no longer than 60 seconds, I mean, that is, as they say, that's a gold nugget, nugget that you keep in your toolkit. And again, every student, every person needs to think about those three things and think of a very compelling story that links those three things together. It's your story. Now, again, your story can change depending upon the situation you're in. If you're interviewing for, for a certain company that has a, needs a particular type of skill, well, then your story may change. But it's still the same. It's where I started, why am I here today, and where I want to go. And if you can kind of infuse that with some personal experiences, maybe some, you know, personal losses or things that people can relate to. That's the most compelling story of all, because it shows honesty. It shows truthfulness. It shows humility. All of those things can be wound into a story, but it takes practice. It really takes practice. Yeah, I, I completely agree. I completely agree. Storytelling is essential to our lives and how we communicate with others. And at the end of the day, you know, we're students and we're still still learning. And and a lot of people are going through interviews right now. And, and that's why I wanted yeah. to you know talk about that, because I think it is essential and, and it's super important because how do you want to identify yourself? That's that's a how do you want to brand yourself? That's that's a question everyone's got to ask themselves. And here's another thing I want to make. I want to, if I'm talking to students, and this is what I would tell students, is that this. First of all, normally, if you get called to an interview, that person or the interview has already seen your resume. They've already seen maybe the courses you've taken, or they've seen your experiences. So they know 
pretty much that based upon what they see in their resume, they think you could probably do the job based upon, you know, what's on the resume or else they wouldn't have spent time to call you in and waste your time and waste their time. So the key in the interview then is to show that other side of you, the side that's not on the paper. You have to make a connection, an emotional connection. I always tell people, if I'm interviewing two folks, two students and one student has a 4.0 GPA GPA, but can't relate and the other person maybe has a 3.0 but can relate to me and be human I I hire the guy that has the 3.0 nine out of ten times because that's the person that I can work with that's the person I feel comfortable with and so that's what you have to get across in an interview Okay, it's it's that personal side of you, the side that says, hey, I want to work with this guy. This is the this is the person that I want on my team. We can teach him all the technical stuff. We can teach him that stuff. But the emotional stuff, the emotional intelligence stuff, we can't teach. And so that's what we're looking for. Yeah, it's, it's extremely important. Um, and it's a, and it's a great skill to have. Uh, it's something we all definitely can always improve on. That's um, right. That's right. And you just never stop learning, you know, going off of the advice for students uh, to end the podcast. I would I always love asking everyone I interview, what advice do you have for students? Um, Life advice, anything, anything that you've learned, you know, what do you think can be useful for us to know as, as we go about our lives, whether, you know, it relates to COVID or whatnot? You know, what, what do you have to say? Well, I would say just keep your options open. You know, we're living in this transformative time now. You know, we're seeing it in our lives and we're seeing it in the business world. I think coming out of the COVID, a lot of businesses are going to be rethinking the way they do their operations. There may be a lot of positions, a lot of, you know, tasks that maybe corporations think, Hey, we don't need that anymore because we operated efficiently in a pandemic, remotely. And so you're going to see a lot of business processes may be eliminated or maybe transformed. I would advise students today to just keep your options open as far as the different things you do and the different places that you apply to. Nowadays, the 30-year gold watch, those days are gone. As long as you can find a job in which you know you have the skills to do and it's something that you can learn from, and if you don't have anything else at the time, take it. Take the opportunity because that opportunity is going to open up another opportunity. And that uh, that opportunity is going to open up another one. You just have to keep on looking as opportunities arise, and they will. No one goes from graduating straight to their dream job. You know, those those days are gone. You know, unless your father owns the company, you can go right from graduate from school and executive position. What you need to do is string along enough of positions and enough skills that you're building your toolkit of skills. And your path may look kind of zigzaggy. But at the end of the day, trust me, you will get to the place where you want to be because along the way, 
you're going to gather successes, failures, but also a lot of tools that are going to make you a much more valuable person. So I would, I would impress graduates to just keep your options open. Keep your options open. You know, if you're a finance major and maybe there's something, you know, in a marketing department, why not? Why not? Just keep your options open. Some great advice. Some great advice, because I do think that there's this illusion that, you know, coming out of college, you're going to get the perfect dream job and, you know, you're going to get paid a lot because you're in Silicon Valley. And at the end of the day, you know, you're not worth five hundred thousand dollars coming out. no 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 i ha- i've never found that job for myself so if you see one let me know okay no please like <laughs> me. but yeah great advice great advice and i, I think it's, it's very valuable to uh those listening so i thank you for being here um and, and i thank you for taking your time out of your day to uh do this interview appreciate it it's been fun it's been a pleasure thank you very much for inviting me thanks Bye.